For our scripture reading this morning, we'll be reading from the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Let's read. This is God's word for us this morning. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. In the book, Gulliver's Travels, Gulliver, Gulliver travels to several nations around the world. The most famous part of that story is when Gulliver goes to Lilliput, where all the people are really small and where he's a giant. But later in that book, he goes to several other countries, and one of those countries is called Lugneg. And in Lugneg, Gulliver hears that there are some people in that country who live forever. Most of the people there live their 80 years or so, and then they die. But there is a small group of people who never, ever die. They actually live forever. And Gulliver gets all excited about this. He thinks of all the knowledge and the power and the wisdom and the wealth that he could accumulate if he had centuries upon centuries upon centuries to live. He envisions this group of mighty, immortal people. But when he shares those visions with the people in the country, the locals, they just shake their heads in pity. And then they take him to see some of these people who never die. And while that select group of people never dies, they don't stay young either. They keep on aging. They grow older and older and older. And all the infirmities and all the challenges of old age keep on afflicting them more and more and more. Their hearing and vision gets worse. It gets harder and harder to move around. Their minds fade out more and more. But they just keep on living and living and living. And as you might expect, most of these people become very, very bitter. Even as young people, when the first signs begin to show up that they're going to be one of those unlucky few to live forever, they often become very angry, very depressed. They don't die, but their lives get worse and worse and worse. And when Gulliver actually sees these people, he recoils in horror. They are miserable, they're hopeless. And he realizes he doesn't want that kind of immortality. He doesn't want to live forever just wasting away. And who would want that kind of life, right? I suspect none of us would choose that kind of life. But apart from Christ, apart from Christ, that is the kind of life that every single human being has. Apart from Christ, our life is utterly hopeless. Apart from Christ, even if we enjoy a few years of health and wealth, that will all fade away. Things will go from bad to worse, and they will just keep on getting worse 
and worse and worse. But those verses that we read from Ephesians this morning, they pray for the opposite for us. And in Christ, we experience the opposite of that terrible downward slide. In Christ, even though our bodies may fall apart, the Lord renews us with his power. Those verses from Ephesians make make two requests of the Lord. And the first request is that the Lord would strengthen us with the power of the Holy Spirit. The first request is that the Lord would strengthen us with his power. And in particular, it asks that the Lord would renew us in our inner beings. Ephesians is asking for the Lord to renew us even as we waste away in this life. This life wears us down and it wears us out. But Ephesians asked the Lord to dig down deep into the center of our lives and to renew us there. And sometimes we see that renewal in mature Christians, in older believers, or even in people who have really gone through intense suffering. They may be wasting away in body, but in Christ they are experiencing the opposite in their spirit. You may know some mature believers who are wasting away physically. It becomes harder and harder to walk. There is more and more illness and affliction in their lives. But their inner being, their inner being is only becoming stronger and stronger. And when we're privileged to get to know these mature Christians, their bodies may be broken, yes, but their spirits radiate the power of God. And for some people, this enables them to be gracious and encouraging even in the midst of pain and suffering. For some people, this means they experience deep, overwhelming contentment even in the midst of terrible trials in this life. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And this power, this power isn't power to just do whatever we like. It's power with a particular goal. Verse 17 in Ephesians 3 tells us that the Spirit is at work in us so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The Holy Spirit's power is at work in us to make us a residence, a dwelling place for Christ. You can imagine a young couple buying their first house, and often the first house we buy is a real wreck, right? Green linoleum in the kitchen and plumbing that doesn't make any sense Carpet in the living room that's best described as vomit orange. Strange gothic black and silver wallpaper in the master bedroom. Broken furniture all through the house and piles of garbage in the basement. What a wreck. But over the years, the couple, they clean out the garbage and the broken furniture right away, of course. And over the years, they pull out the wall, the floor coverings, they pull off the wallpaper. They put in new things. They redo the kitchen. They add a couple rooms to the back of the house so they have a family room and an extra bedroom or two. They make it their home. And then maybe 20 years down the road, the couple sits down one day and the wife looks around and says, you know, this is the house I always wanted. This is just right. This is where we belong. The Holy Spirit is at work in all of God's people, making us to be a house where God belongs. All of us start out with junk in our lives. We've all got things that just aren't right. But God comes in, and through the Holy Spirit, He sets to work on us. 
He works on our temptations and our addictions. He helps us fix our broken relationships. He gives us hearts to love Him and to love other people. We never get quite all the way fixed up in this life, but as the Spirit works in us, we become more and more fit dwelling places for Jesus Himself. Over time, as the Lord works in us, we become places, we become people where Jesus can truly dwell. And this renovation, it happens continually, but one of the places it happens most powerfully is as, is as we gather here in worship together with God's people. In every worship service, as we gather, God speaks to us through his word, and he reshapes who we are. And one way that he does that in particular is through the Lord's Supper. Through this sacrament that we'll participate in in a little while, the Lord nourishes and refreshes us through these things. These things, this physical bread and wine, the Lord works in us to strengthen us, to draw us closer to Him, to make us fit dwelling places for Him. Through this sacrament, the Holy Spirit draws us up into the presence of Christ. This is one of the means of grace. It's one of the ways that God applies His grace to our lives. This meal that, we're sh- that we'll share is a sign of divine hospitality. God loves us so much that He's invited us this morning to come over to His house and to share a meal. And He loves us so much that he's come into our lives and he's chosen to dwell in our hearts through faith. So as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, let's celebrate that the Lord is at work in us. Let's celebrate that the Lord is making us, me, you, into places that are fit for him to dwell forever. And as we go out from here, Let's extend that grace, that fellowship, that hospitality to other people. The Christian life is a life of welcoming others in and enjoying fellowship with them. We're often pretty isolated people in our culture these days. We run around to this and we run around to that. But God's grace invites us to slow down. God's grace invites us to welcome other people into our lives and to share deep fellowship with them. When was the last time you went out with a coworker for a cup of coffee? When was the last time you had your neighbors over for dinner? What can you do this week, this month, to share in good fellowship with other people? And what can you do to become more and more part of the body of Christ here? I mean, you could be totally crazy and you can sit on the other side of the sanctuary some Sunday and get to know a few people who don't usually sit by you. I know it's crazy, but you could think about doing it sometime. Or you can get involved in a small group. You can engage in different service activities or ministries. There are so many ways we have here that you can connect with other people in deeper and deeper fellowship. And if that's something that strikes a nerve today, we're starting a new kind of welcome team here the next few weeks at Faith where we'll have people especially tasked to welcome our guests, to say, welcome to Faith. We hope that you find true fellowship here. 
And if that grabs you, talk to me sometime. I'd love to have you be part of that team. We need to welcome people into our lives because God has welcomed us into his life, into the life of God himself where Christ lives with us forever. So let's be gracious. Let's welcome people in because we have found such great grace and such great love in our Savior. And that brings us to Ephesians 3's second request. And the second request in this text is that the Lord would give us the power to grasp the love of Christ. This request is that we would come to really know and experience and live in the love of God in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3 is pointing us especially toward Christ's work on the cross and his sacrifice there, but also to his whole life and to what he gives us today. The love of Christ is wide and long and high and deep, so wide, so deep, so long, so high, that Christ gave up everything for us. This is a love like no other love that you can find in this world. Christ was willing to give up his own life for us. He went down all the way into death for us so that he could bring us from death back up to life. In Christ, God moves us from death to life. In Christ, God shows us a love beyond what we can comprehend. And I think we often don't grasp this when we're kind of playing around with whether we really want part of this Christian faith or not, whether we're in or out, we don't really grasp how much God loves us. As the years go by and we grow in our faith, still we often don't really grasp the deep, deep reality that God has for all of his people and for each of us. And of course, in one way, we can't grasp God's love. It's beyond us. There's a paradox in verse 19 there where Paul asks that we come to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. God's love is beyond our comprehension. But what the text is asking for there isn't that we be able to intellectually say this is how it all lines up and this is what God's love looks like. What it's asking for is that we really have a heart sense, a heart knowledge, if we can say it that way, that God loves us. The prayer here is that each of us, that you would understand today how much God loves you. And God loves you with a love that is beyond what you can ever understand, beyond what you can get your hands around. It is so wide, so deep, so long, and so high. And truthfully, we can't grasp that love on our own. God has to work in us to make us able to realize how much he loves us. Only by the power of God can we really come to know the love of Christ. And in many, many ways, our walk with Christ begins with the realization that Jesus really does love us that deeply. God really does love us even us gathered here this morning that deeply. We need God to work in us for us to really understand that. And God works in us in a variety of ways. 
one of the ways that God works to show us his love is through the Lord's Supper. When we look at this meal, it doesn't look all that impressive. Sometimes it feels a little bit much to even call it a meal, right? You get a tiny little bit of bread, a tiny little bit of wine or juice, if that's your thing. But these physical elements, this food and drink that we share together, they give us a sign and a picture of Christ's love for us. This is a reminder that Christ's body was broken for us. He gave himself to be broken so that we could be healed. And this drink is a reminder that Christ poured out his own blood for our sake. Christ poured out his life for us, for you. This physical food is a sign and a symbol of God's love for us. These are concrete reminders. You can touch them. You can see them. You can taste them. These are reminders that Christ gave himself for us. We are so often so distracted. There are so many things on our minds, so many things in our hearts, and the Lord's Supper tells us to slow down. To slow down and to pay attention to the love of God that is for us in Christ Jesus. So today, let your eyes be opened, maybe for the first time, maybe for the 500th time, to see how much God loves you. To see how much God loves you. And as we come to see God's love for us, that love naturally overflows into our lives. As we come to appreciate how deeply and completely we are loved in Christ, we can turn to others and love them in the same way. Every time after we share in the Lord's Supper, we take a benevolence offering here. That's an offering that we give to share with those in need. That's one small, concrete response that we make to how much God loves us. But in our lives, we all have so many opportunities to make sacrifices for others. And not sacrifices that earn us any more grace or that get us credit or anything. Just sacrifices that reflect the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Because God loves us so, so deeply, we are able in our lives to love others too. But we shouldn't end on that note. We don't begin or finish with what we do or what we can do. We begin with God's love for us, and that's where we end too. God's power is at work in our inner beings to give us eternal life. God is at work in us to make us into his dwelling place. God's love for us is wider and longer and higher and deeper than any of us will ever be able to grasp. And God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And in his greatness, he loves us beyond measure. And so today, so today, depend on God's power. Be strengthened by God's Spirit as Christ comes to dwell in you more and more. And know that Christ loves you with a love that surpasses all knowledge. 
Live in the love that God has for you. And as you do that, give all glory to the Lord.